Yeah, um, it's very nice um, to be here again this weekend, um, especially as this is the... This week, my little brother did a TED Talk at the TED Global Conference in um, Canada, so I don't have any kind of inferiority complex <laughs> on that one, but at least I was asked to do it twice. He did it once, so um, that's all fine. Um, I, I think there's quite a lot of new faces I don't know, so if you don't know, my name is Phil, um, and quite often... I'm known for doing quite long, chunky talks. And a lot of people quite often ask me when I'm going to do a short one on just one passage. So the good news is tonight I'm doing the short, uh, in brackets, one on just one passage. Um, but I sort of wanted to take you, get, just tell you a little bit of story of the background of how some of this came about. Um, so a few uh, weeks ago I'd emailed Stephen Viv about um, some of my thoughts and what I wanted to speak about. Um, and I hadn't heard back in, in, in sort of a week and a bit. So I think I came up to Steve um, a, couple, and a week later on a Sunday morning. I was just like, oh, Steve, have you, have you seen that email? Can I get a response? And he, um, the thing about uh, both our lead pastors, in fact, is they work so hard, and all the team do, but them especially work so hard, they're often very tired. And it's very hard to tell the difference between Steve's tired face and Steve's serious face. So um, he just sort of said, oh, yeah, um, I, I want to come have a chat about that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Um, you know, I've finally been found out. They're finally going to decide I'm a heretic. I'm going to get fired. Um, so I was like, why is there no just simple answer? Just say all my ideas are great and it's fine. But he was like, no, can we have, can we have a chat about that? I was like, are you, are you, free? Are you free this week? Um, and I got so petrified that I rearranged my entire working Monday so I could work from home so I could come and see him. And obviously that was me overreacting, but that was what was going on. So I come in here, there were, the office isn't here, so I came in here on kind of Monday afternoon, like quite a little bit nervous, a little bit nervous. And I came and found Steve, and I was like, oh, he's like, hi, Steve. And he's like, let's go for a walk. And uh, I just had flashbacks to being a 16-year-old boy, and I was like, I'm about to get dumped. Oh. And um, yeah, and then we went for a walk, and um, me and Steve, when we're not with a mic in front of ourselves, don't, you know, on the, on the quieter side, so we kind of started walking and just getting into it, and I was just like, just get it over with Steve, just dump me, okay, just tell me what I did wrong and how I can never preach ever again. Um, and all that was totally not true, and he was very encouraging, we had a really great conversation about the preaching ministry, but he did say, uh, but I do think you were going to go with three parables, but just go with the one. So that's, that's what we're doing. We're going with the one. Um, but then just to add to that, last week we had a guest speaker who was brilliant. If you haven't heard it, go and listen to it. But right at the start of that sermon, the speaker quoted two other parables, which were the two I was going to do. And Steve turned around and looks at me and I'm like, yeah, I get the message, Steve. You're more holy than me. You heard from God and I didn't. So, um, so yeah, that's just, you know, cur- tear back the curtain. That's how sermons operate. Um, so yeah, so we're looking at, uh, for those who haven't been around recently, we're in the middle of our sermon series on the kingdom of God, and this is amazing foundational kind of theology of the vineyard movement, and we've kind of gone, we started with an Old Testament anticipation of the kingdom, um, and went through a few weeks on that, and then last week uh, we had the inauguration of the kingdom, the ministry of Jesus, um, and so now kind of chronologically, we're kind of at this stage, if we can get the, the slides up. We're at this stage where if you kind of imagine yourself in that time, Jesus has come and said the kingdom of God is at hand. And so everyone's bubbling up this excitement and the anticipation. Um, and they're probably asking a series of questions about 
tell us more about this kingdom, tell us more about this kingdom. And if you go to the next slide, imagine these are some of the questions, kind of questions about the kingdom which are kicking around. So what does this kingdom look like? I kind of knew what it looked like in the Old Testament, and this is looking a bit different. So what does it look like? Um, how do we enter this kingdom? Um, what's it like to live in the kingdom? How does the kingdom grow? Um, when is the kingdom going to come in full, kind of fulfilling the, the fullness of the Old Testament prophecies, and how will it come? So you've kind of got all these questions bubbling around. And if you read through the parables, and there's about 40 parables in total, depending on how you count them, and around 25 of them are explicitly about the kingdom. So Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is like, or, you know, in order to live in the kingdom, it's like this. And really, they're actually answering these questions. And next uh, two weeks' time, sorry, after baptisms, Viv is going to be picking up one of these other questions, um, unless she changes her mind. But at the moment, she's got a range to pick from. Um, so that's what she's been doing. But, so when I was thinking which one I was going to pick, one thankfully kind of jumped out at me. Um, and it's the parable of not the sower, because that's not what it should be called, not the seeds, because that's not what it should be called either, but the parable of the soil. Um, and the thing about the parables is that uh, they're actually a lot bigger and a lot heavier than we realize. Um, it's because they're stories, I think it's really easy just sometimes to see them, oh, that's, that's just a nice story. But actually, these stories, if you actually read them, and I really encourage you, we're going to go through, obviously, one today, and Viv will probably cover off one, but there's at least 23 more, I said, in the kingdom. So please go and read them. When you read them, they're incredibly powerful stuff when you really grapple with them. And hopefully I'm going to show you how powerful one of them is today. So it's a real danger to see them as stories rather than actually really powerful messages of what the kingdom is like and what we should expect. So the one I kind of picked off of the parable of the soil, there's one particular reason, and the reason is the next slide. So before we get into it, just in Jesus tells the parable and he explains the parable. But in the middle, in the Gospel of Mark anyway, he says this to his disciples in Mark 4.13. He says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? And I've never really clocked that before. Um, because it's obviously you can see what it says there. It's saying this somehow is a gateway parable. If you don't understand what this one means, you're never going to fully grasp what the others mean. And so it seemed like a really good one to plow into. No pun intended. That totally came out. <laughs> that did not happen this morning. Um, and... Uh, um, that's lost my train of thought. So... Um, so yeah, but actually, I'm hoping, I said this morning, even though we're going simple, um, I can't promise you, but I'm pretty sure at some point later on, you're going to get a punch in the gut. Because this is actually, when hopefully, the way I'm kind of going to unpack it, is probably one of the most powerful parables out there, one that's challenging, and this is, I think, why Jesus said this, if you don't understand this parable, um, then how are you going to understand any of them? So... Um, while we have it, we're going to have read to us in a video of a nice video, which uh, I felt looked a lot like a bread commercial. Um, but just before uh, I pack, unpack it, then we'll watch this video on the parable of the soil. So that's how Jesus first teaches it. And then later on, he says this, which I'm just going to read out before we go through it. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown in the rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. 
Still others, like seed thrown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now, for those of us who've kind of been around church, grown up around church, that is a very familiar parable. But when I was kind of preparing it, normally you kind of maybe hear them as just four, kind of presented as four separate kind of occasions or separate types of soil. But actually, I kind of found it much more helpful to understand it as kind of a progressive model. So if you look at the next slide, this is how I want to walk through it. So starting at the bottom, um, this is a seed on the rocky path. And for me, this is what this is saying, is these people don't even hear it, and therefore they don't do it, because Satan takes it away. Um, and there's so much that could be said about this in terms of spiritual warfare, but all I want to do this evening is read um, a, one of my favorite quotes whenever I think about this kind of thing, um, from a book called The Screwtape Letters, um, by um, Clive Staples Lewis, which was his name, because if he was called Clive Lewis, he wouldn't be a best-selling author. So he went with C.S. Lewis. Um, and for those of you who don't know it, it's basically this brilliant, insightful, um, frankly, theological, but um, fictional book of a kind of a senior demon writing letters teaching a junior demon. And the junior demon has a human they're kind of basically keeping away from Jesus. And they kind of give advice, and the junior one says, this happened, and the, the senior one gives, gives um, the, the, the demon advice. And this is uh, just a little passage from it about this really, you know, this area. Um, written by the senior one giving advice and it says this uh, I once had a patient in this case that's the human being I once had a patient a sound atheist who used to read in the British Museum one day as he was reading I saw a train of thought in his mind beginning to go the wrong way the enemy which is what Satan calls God the enemy of course was his elbow in a moment before I knew where I was I saw my 20 years of work beginning to fall if I'd lost my head and begun to attempt a defense by argument, I would have been undone, but I was not such a fool. I struck instantly at the part of the man which I had best under my control, and I suggested it was about time he had some lunch. The enemy presumably made a counter-suggestion that this was much more important than lunch. At least I think that's what he must have said, for when I said quite, in fact much too important to tackle at the end of the morning, the patient brightened up considerably. And by the time I added much better to come back to this after lunch and go into it with a fresh mind, he was already halfway to the door. Once he was on the street, the battle was won. I showed him a newsboy shouting the midday paper and a number 73 bus going past. And before he reached the bottom of the steps, I'd got into him an unalterable conviction that whatever odd ideas might come into a man's head when he was shut alone with books, a healthy dose of real life, by which I meant the bus and the newsboy, was enough to show him that all that sort of thing just couldn't be true. Um, and I, I love that quote because it's so on the money. It's so exactly how it is sometimes. And I kind of, in my little diagram, I made this bottom line sort of the chunkiest because I would put, you know, a bet, to use that phrase, um, on the majority of things that God tries to say to us disappear in this way. The majority of things God tries to say to us come into our minds or try to come into our minds, but actually we get distracted. We get distracted by 
um, anything, the things of life, just suddenly come in and take it away. Um, and it's the most frustrating thing, but we are absolute suckers for it. Um, so many things in life just take us away. And the bit I love most about that story is just a kind of seeing the bus. Like God tries to speak to you about something important and suddenly you see a bus and life is about buses and where you're going and it just goes. And it's really challenging because I think most of it goes that way. But I'm going to kind of move on up um, to the next one. So this is a seed on the shallow soil where I think what this is about is people who hear it and in the past it has received with joy but don't really act on it. And if I can be totally honest, I think this is a challenge for us in this church. Um... Because one of our strongest values and one thing we're really passionate about in a really positive way is worship. But sometimes the danger of worship is if it's the only thing we do, it can be easy. Emotion is not always enduring and experience is not always enriching unless we do something with it afterwards. Unless when God speaks to us in those powerful moments that we take it away and we look to apply it and we look to grapple with it and we look to actually use it. Um... Uh, who here has the U version, version Bible app? Me too. Who here knows what their streak is on reading? Exactly. Mine is 157. Uh, I told Adam that at lunch earlier, and he was like, whoa, mine's like 34. Um, 64, sorry, I, I apologize. Mine's still more, so who cares? Um, but... <laughs> This is a really good example of the problem of the shallow soil. Um, because I, even though that, that streak thing, for you who don't know, it's like it counts how many times, how many days in a row you've read like verses of the day or opened the app. Um, and so because of the streak, it has encouraged me to read the verse of the day every day, and I read it every day. But all that happens is I read it because of this kind of little motivation to get the number up and scared of it going to zero. Um, and I, listen, I, I read it and I think about it and I was like, oh, that, you know, it, w- it will challenge me or it will teach me or something. But then I kind of, because I read it at work, something will just come in and it will be gone. So even though I read it and think, oh, that's really, you know, it will challenge me, like I said, or teach me, kind of, there is no root there. There's no depth there. And it just goes. I couldn't tell you what I read yesterday. I couldn't tell you what I read today, even though it was four hours ago. But I read it. And that's a real problem. And when you kind of combine these two lines together... That I really feel like that takes up a huge amount of what God tries to tell us. Either we just don't hear it because it comes or it tries to come in and we're just distracted. Or it comes in and we kind of react in that moment, but then something just takes it away. A problem turns up. Um, I kind of feel like I get quite, I'll be totally honest here, frustrated when I see people on their phones at church. Um, I feel it needs to be a church mode, which just shuts down social media. And shuts down BBC Sport for me personally. Don't know what it is for you. Um, and just doesn't let you do anything except maybe look up version, except not to get your streak. Um, and the reason this I find this really challenging for me is if I look personally in my life, the period where I changed the most in terms of some of the things I was doing in life and my values was not in a Christian context. Um, I have done a, a number of kind of counselling trainings. I did one which was nine months long. And in those nine months, I changed completely um because it was quite a unique thing but you have to do so much sorry journaling and thinking um and studying and grappling you have to do like group therapy and it is awful but at the same time (laughs) it's there because it's a really heavy thing they're trying to they're trying to for those you know what counseling training is about it's trying to change who you are so you can be safe with clients but um it really frustrates me that that's where I know I changed the most, and I've never changed that much in a, in a church context. 
But I was also thinking there are things that do that in a church context. Things like, I know we're running Freedom in Christ. Um, and I have kind of a good friend who's doing Freedom in Christ. And he talks about how powerful it is. But it frustrates me that they're the exception. They're the things you kind of do if maybe you feel like you're struggling or you know you're really being loaded down. They're not the things we all do. We don't go to that level of detail to give that much depth, to give that much root to the kind of things God's talking to us about. And that's a real shame, and I'm guilty of that as well. And instead, we just look at a word of the day and get our streak up. Um, and it's, it's not good. Um, so I really feel like we've probably covered off 80% probably now of what God's trying to talk to us individually on those first two. Either not even hearing it because we're distracted, or hearing it and responding with joy like Jesus says, but then something just comes in and takes it away. But actually the bit when I was preparing this, which really got me, was this next level. Um, so the, what Jesus says, the seed sown among the thorns. Um, which I've kind of characterized as you hear and you act, you start putting it into practice, but then you don't, you give up. Um, because the thing I kind of realized when I was looking at it for, for, for this, this message was the thorns are already there. In the first two levels, kind of, the, kind of symbolically, the bird comes and takes it away. The seed goes in, kind of bird takes it away. The second one, the seed goes in, the sun comes out, takes it away. But the third one, the thorns are already there before the seed gets there. And in context, what Jesus says, it's the deceitfulness of this life, the appeal of this world, the anxieties of this world. These are things which are around us all the time, which means what this really looks like, I would say, is it's not this picture. It's actually the next picture. This dynamic is happening in every single area of our lives. And there are particular areas for us individually where we actually have far more thorns. We have far more things that when God tries to speak to us or wants to speak to us in this scenario, um, we've got so many things which are going to get in the way. We've got so many things which are going to choke what God's trying to do, whether it's finances or the job we're doing, the career ambitions we have, or relationships or sex or power, whatever it is. These are the things that you know, we know, that when God, if God tries to speak to us or challenge us, or maybe he has been challenging us or speaking to us, they really struggle to bear fruit because those thorns are already there which are blocking it. They're choking out the fruit because they're saying, no, actually, that's not how it is. We're not going to let you do that. We're going to hold it away. And these grow all the time. They're dynamic. You're living, we live in a world which is telling us different things other than the word of God all the time. Other things are being sowed into us. Um, I, look, I, I said it this morning. I looked it up. It was, um, I think it was Rob Bell who, I'm sure a lot of people said it, but he said that Christian life is kind of being like a salmon. You always have to be going upstream. If you're not swimming against the stream of culture, you're going to be going back the other way. You cannot stay still. Unless you're proactively countering these other messages, these other seeds in your heart and your mind, then you are going to be going in the direction that culture is taking you in these areas and all areas of our lives. Um, again, just to give you a couple of biblical examples, for example, on, on the numbers, the, sorry, the words I've just picked here, if you look at someone like power. So the Pharisees always get a bad rep, but actually initially they were just trying to obey God. But at some point, as we know from what, how Jesus treats them, power got into their hearts and their minds. So when he comes and sows the seeds of the kingdom, they can't accept it. They reject it because they're holding on to power. Um, equally, someone like um, the rich young ruler, um, he comes to Jesus saying, how can I enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, you must sell your possessions and come and follow me. And he goes away sad because in his heart, finance, those thorns have got a grip on him. And when Jesus speaks to him, he can't bear fruit on it. And I was thinking when Terence was talking after the worship earlier, like in London, busyness 
it's, you know, I wouldn't quite say it's an addiction necessarily, but it's a lifestyle we all just fall straight into and we don't really want to challenge because actually we often quite enjoy it. But busyness is going to be a thorn which is going to stop God being able to speak to you and grow fruit in your life unless you're willing to say, no, I'm going to be less busy. I'm going to say no to that. I'm going to get over my FOMO. <laughs> um, and I think this really challenged me. When I um, was thinking about it, I, I felt I really wanted to share kind of, frankly, what my biggest thorns are. Um, and one of them is I have a horrific uh, need for the approval of other people. So I'm very clear in my life what God wants me to do. And that's not to say that I hope say I'm not bearing any fruit, but I know there are areas in my life that I'm not bearing fruit because I'm scared of what people are going to think. I'm scared of what my colleagues are going to think if I say, actually, you know what, I'm more passionate about that than I am about that. I'm scared of um, looking like a weirdo, frankly. And it really holds me back. It really, really does. And at some point, I, well, I continue to grapple with it, but at some point, I'll have to kind of face that, probably. Um, oh, I will. Um, the second one is I have a crippling fear of uncertainty. Um, I really, really struggle with something I don't understand. Um, and this one is really tricky because God quite often calls you to things that aren't comfortable and you don't understand. Um, and I, I just, I can't do it. I do that thing where I react with joy. I'm like, yeah, I know God's saying I want you to do that. I know God's saying I want you to bear fruit in that area. Um, and then I can't think, start thinking about it, maybe try it a couple of times. And I'm like, oh, but I just, I don't understand how it's going to work. I don't understand where the money is going to come from. I don't understand how it's going to affect, you know, Jen. I don't understand how it's going to affect X, Y, and Z. And I kind of, it, the thorns just, just um, cramp me up. Um, and the last one, which is more me and Jen kind of wanted to share together is, and it's going to sound a bit funny, but sometimes the way we do our marriage is one of our biggest thorns. And that sounds a funny thing to say because our marriage is a wonderful thing. And um, But actually sometimes we... we to put it honestly, we quite, we're so comfortable with each other, we so enjoy being with each other, it's really easy just to do that rather than maybe some of the things we feel God's calling us to in terms of like time use. And it's, it's a challenge for us. And you don't think of that as a thorn, but I'm being honest in front of you, that is a thorn. That's something in this parable that's going to cramp out what God wants to do potentially, if we're not careful anyway, wants to do in our lives. And this is really challenging. And so you start unpacking it like this. You see why Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you're never going to understand, fully understand my other parables. If you don't understand the battle that's going on in your heart and your mind, the dynamics that are going on in your heart and your mind when I lay a seed in your heart, when I speak to you, then you're never going to hear what the other parables are trying to tell you. You're going to have resistance. You're going to have things going wrong. Um, yeah, so I tried to lighten up at this point by... Um, by googling top gardening mistakes and it didn't line it up at all frankly so uh i just because the, the whole metaphor is, is 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 we're talking about gardening here we're talking about cultivating the soil which is why it's parable of the soils not anything else um and I, I googled it looking for some you know hilarious anecdotes and uh i found this list of the most common gardening mistakes and i i just i died reading it because the metaphor was too powerful it was so convicting um, I could do a sermon on those 15. It's like a 15-point sermon. And I showed Jen. I was like, oh, that one works, that one works, that one works. But the top two, right, and this is no joke, to the top one, most common gardening mistake, not preparing the soil, 100%. And it had this nice little anecdote of uh, sometime, which we've all done, when you plant something, you use your finger to make a little you know, thing and just shove the seeds in and then put the soil in. Or at least that's my gardening expertise. <laughs> 
And they say when people do that, they don't realize it's not going to work because you haven't prepared the soil around it. And when the roots start to grow, it's not going to go anywhere. And that was the first one. I was like, oh, man, dagger. And then the second one, right, this is literally, it feels about the fight club thing. Um, first, the first lesson of gardening is prepare the soil. Second lesson of gardening, pre- keep preparing the soil after you've planted it. And I was like, man, this is like, yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it's like even when you planted it, the big, second biggest thing you can make is not continuing to prepare the soil to allow it to grow. I don't know what that means, obviously, in practice, but that's what it said. I was just like, that's really, really powerful. Um, And so, yeah, here's the kind of takeaway. Here's the punch in the gut. So I gave you a heads up. So here it is. Next slide. Sorry. (laughs) If you're not willing, if we're not willing to continually cultivate and clean our hearts and minds, then we will not produce the full fruit of the kingdom. Are we okay with that? If we're not willing to continually cultivate and clean our hearts and minds, then we will not produce the full fruit of the kingdom. Are you okay with that? And again, that's why Jesus said, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand the rest of my parables. Because this is what it comes down to. Um, I kind of was really tempted to, to attack a bit on about kind of how we do this, but two things, one, I don't have time, and two, um, it's individual. Um, the how is individual. But I will just point you to a, f- a few directions if, if you're keen, and this, is, this has kind of spoken to you and challenged you. Um, even on our own kind of uh, sermon feed, go listen to Alexander's sermons on spiritual formation. He's done a few of them. Um, and he starts getting into how do we cultivate our hearts and minds on a kind of day-by-day, week-by-week basis? How do we prepare ourselves um, and our hearts to hear God's words um, and have them bear fruit? And if you kind of want to know more, two uh, brilliant authors, kind of historically, Dallas Willard wrote a lot about kind of the disciplines, spiritual disciplines, and how you build them into your life in a really practical way. Um, and then the kind of classic Richard Foster celebration of discipline which is just a brilliant opening to the kind of spiritual disciplines and the second one you can get kind of free because it's past his copyright now so that's really useful uh it wasn't a joke that was just honest um but this is what this is what it comes down to if you're not willing to if we're not willing to continue cultivating clean our hearts and minds then we will not produce the full fruit of the kingdom and are we okay with that so i think just to close um I did read one nice quote, which was nice, um, which is that uh, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, but the second best time is now. So as as we close, what I want to do is something a bit different, and I'm going to pray for us in a minute, but I'm going to lead a period of silence where what I would like to invite us to do is just to listen to a, be reminded of or listen to a seed that God wants to speak to us right now. And I just invite you to sit there and say to God, maybe this is something I've known before, maybe it's something years past, maybe it's something recent. This is something I know you want me to bear fruit in. And I'm going to sit with it now, and I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to hear it, and I'm going to try and cultivate it. So I'm going to do that. And then when I invite the band up after that, and while we're worshipping, I would encourage you as well to 
ask God for words for other people in the room. Um, ask God for a word. Look around, whether you know them or not. Um, ask the Spirit to show you something, a word that he wants to plant in someone else today. And then go share it with them at some point, either during the worship or afterwards. So I said I'm just going to pray for us to finish um, and lead a period of silence where just listen to the Spirit. What does God want to plant in you now? And be willing to start that process of cultivating, prepare the soil, continue to prepare the soil to allow that to bear fruit. So yeah, Holy Spirit, I just invite you to move in us now. Yeah, sow the seeds in our hearts right now. Remind us of the seeds that you've sown before. Whether they're big or small, where you want us to bear fruit in our lives.